What's up, bikers? Episode 162 of the Biker Bar podcast live stream. Today, I nailed the intro. Sweet. I'm stoked about that. And we'll have the guests for the day or for the show, whatever you want to say. The guest today is Nick and Katie MTB. They're uh, content creators based out of the East Coast, and uh, they've been popping up on my radar a bunch lately, so I figured it would be fun to chat with them, kind of find out who they are and what they're doing over there. So those of you guys that aren't familiar, there are there is a link to their channel in the show more. And um, if you're listening on the podcast, same thing there in the show notes. If you want to do me a favor and um, swing by Instagram, give me a follow over there. That'd be rad. I really appreciate it. And once again, everybody on Patreon, thank you very much. Um, those of you guys that follow the regular biker channel, they're, you know, I just dropped a new video about what bike I've been riding and the people on Patreon, they knew about that for the last couple of months. So you can, you can be in the inside scoop, see some uh, edits that actually aren't on YouTube or um, just help me put beer in the fridge or buy camera gear. So all those things are, are much needed and much appreciated. So thank you to everybody over there on Patreon. And um, those of you guys listening on the podcast, Swing by Apple Podcasts, write me a five-star review. So the algorithms of the podcast world know that this is the best MTB podcast out there. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and bring Nick and Katie back on. How's it going, guys? Hi. Good. <laughs> good. How are you? Good, good. So um, I, I we didn't get much time to chat because before the show, those of you guys that um, weren't here in my garage didn't know that there was a life-size black widow that was trying to kill me and that kind of ate up a bunch of our time so but uh i didn't i didn't get to, to chat with you guys a little bit beforehand and i was going to ask you where are you guys located so we're actually located in central pennsylvania which uh from some of your videos we saw that you're also from that area so yeah, I was thinking that might be why you guys started popping, like how the algorithm figured it out. Because I did a video back there a little while back, and I think it just started some, showing me some content from that area. What, what city do you guys live in? Uh, so we're in York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. You well, know what's really funny you. about that? What? That is actually where I'm from. Really? What? Yeah, I swear to God. Went to, to West York High School and everything. What? what? Yeah. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's really kind of odd. That's, that's funny because the, the last time I came back, I um I was visiting my aunt or my cousin up in uh, Mechanicsburg. And I actually did a video on um, Rocky Ridge because that's the place that I basically learned how to mountain bike. Yeah, we actually saw that video last night. We were like, oh, he's at Michelle, which we ride at Michelle all the time. And then Rocky Ridge, which is literally like 15, 20 minutes from us. So yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what that's the heck, funny. Man? That's crazy. Small world. What made you guys decide to start doing a channel? Oh, man, I don't know. I think right when we got into it, like everybody does, they kind of go online and they see um, like what YouTubers are doing and kind of how to learn like that way. So we just basically um, saw what other people were doing, like Seth Bike Hacks and stuff. And we were like, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe we should just start doing that ourselves. And literally from the jump, like back when we first started mountain biking, we were just like, we should just start a channel and just kind of see where it goes. And um, yeah. This is where we are now. So, so did you guys both ride for a long time, or is this something that you newly picked up? Um, pretty new, honestly. I mean, I've rode bikes like any kid does, like when they're a kid. But we kind of got into it together when we first met. We were riding bikes a lot, and then our buddies asked us to join them on a mountain bike ride. 
So we just kind of went and it was uh, it was a little adventurous at first, but we were like, this is kind of fun. So maybe we should do more of this. And then we got actual mountain bikes. And this was only like probably four years ago at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah. So basically pretty new for both of you then. Yeah, definitely. Katie, it, is is Nick the guy that's really driving this, or, or are you equal, equally as passionate about it? I, I like mountain biking. I I mean, I like different parts of mountain biking, probably. Um, I like the actual riding and everything. He likes, like, the technical stuff. <laughs> yeah, everybody kind of has their own thing that they're into. So what what is it that you, you like about it particularly? Uh, I just like riding. Um, yeah. That's pretty much, that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she really likes the nature aspect of it. Yeah. Like whenever mm -hmm. we stop, she'll kind of go off to like the creeks and the trees and take pictures of frogs and stuff like that. Whereas I'm more about just blazing down the trail and hitting the jumps and stuff like that. And she's yeah. just a little bit more about the whole nature and the whole vibe of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys are a little bit younger too than a lot of the content creators out there. So that's that's actually, to me, I think it's a plus because I don't think there's a lot of, younger content creators in the mountain bike space that are like putting out regular content that that you know i can tell you guys are trying to get better you know yeah definitely yeah we try to put a good effort into it and uh i think there's going to be like another wave of mountain bike youtubers coming up and maybe just trying to figure out what the next thing is going to be so maybe we can ride that wave up kind of like how like the set bike hacks of the worlds and single track sampler kind of had that time a couple years ago where it was really booming for them and they got really popular because of that maybe find mm -hmm. what that next new kind of wave might be for the mountain bike scene so still trying to figure out what that is but you know yeah right. if you figure it out let us all know because i'm sure oh, yeah. we're, all, we're all trying to figure it out it no does doubt, do, you, so. do you feel like there's a uh like a little bit of a lull in the mountain bike space right now i mean i think as a content creator, I feel like we're constantly reevaluating what we're doing and it creates a little bit of self-doubt as to what we should be chasing after or doing. Um, so I guess I do kind of feel a little bit of that lull in the mountain bike creative space right now, which is uh, it's interesting because you know that the next thing is maybe coming, but trying to figure out what that is, you know, is the is the, the big ticket. So, yeah, definitely. Some of the other creators I've talked to recently have have been noticing that like their views are getting lower and they weren't sure if it had something to do with you know whatever's going on with the bike industry or is people are people just kind of tired of it or it, it's really hard to say but because on the other hand you know go to Seth's channel and he's still getting you know three million views on a video so yeah <laughs> yeah for sure he's definitely got something figured out so yeah i think i think you know I personally think that there's a, a certain part of, of, or a certain point of your channel so big that it kicks off. Um, it's kind of like own views, you know what I mean? Where, where like if he gets twenty percent of his subscribers, that's still you know, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people to watch his video, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so it definitely does more than somebody where like your channel is like you know, two or 3000, I think is where you guys are at right now. Yeah. And, you know, 20% of that's, you know, a couple hundred views, you know? So exactly. I, I think the algorithm then is like, well, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I definitely noticed a correlation between the number of subscribers and the amount of views we normally get. 
like I think a lot of our videos recently, which honestly I'm pretty happy with going from, you know, being at like a couple hundred subscribers only, you know, a year or two ago to being where we are now. I'm definitely happy with it, but I definitely noticed that it's like, you know, two or 3000 views roughly on a video views and we have, you know, the same amount of subscribers. So it kind of makes sense, I guess, in that, in that way. And then as you see the bigger channels, it, it does kind of climb up like that. So I feel like it's, it's kind of our goal now to make stuff that could potentially go viral. Whereas before we were really happy with just kind of putting stuff out that our subscribers wanted, but we kind of figured we weren't going to really grow in any kind of large capacity in that way. So we definitely switched up our content to be a little bit more, um, focused on the possibility of maybe having a viral video or a video that goes viral, at least in our niche. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what was the content? I think you guys probably just started out with like more like trail ride kind of videos to begin with or. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think at first we kind of just were riding with like our homies and just posting videos. Yeah. A lot of, fun. yeah, a lot of videos of Michelle and yeah. stuff. So, and, uh, then we kind of got into doing like exploring videos, which, uh, uh, Seth bike hacks actually not to just bring Seth bike out. So yeah. the entire time, but, um, he had a video and we actually kind of made a video talking about that video where he had mentioned that he no longer really does um, like trail riding videos where he goes out and kind of showcases a location, which was kind of our bread and butter for a while. And I think we got a lot of subscribers through that. But then we sort of realized that we would become like a travel channel and we'd have to go farther and farther every time. And we weren't really sure if that's exactly the route that we wanted to go, even though we really enjoy making those videos and probably will still continue to make those videos. So I don't know. I think we've kind of kind of switched up from that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's easy to to, to make content in your local area and on your, your local trails. And I think geographically, then you can get pretty popular and... I don't know, at least from my perspective, I think that sometimes whenever people are doing that, they start to think that you always have to go somewhere new to make another video on that trail or like instead of making another video on that trail. But you can actually tell a lot of different stories on the same trail. And I think Seth is a good example of that. I mean, when he started his channel, he was in Florida with like no trails around him. Yeah. So like you have somewhere like Michaud that's close. So like on one trail, there could be three different features that you've never done or Katie's never done or something like that. And yeah, to true. go out there and try to accomplish that, that would be like the goal of the whole video or, you know, can we climb this many feet in one day or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like you have to, if you're gonna be making videos about riding on the trail and, and we've been kind of watching a lot of your videos the last couple of days to, you know, kind of learn more about you and your channel stuff. Uh -huh. and I really appreciated how you always told a story with the places that you went. And I feel like that added a lot of extra um, entertainment value to the videos and made it so much more than just, you know, showcasing a trail that, you know, somebody might log on and they're interested in checking out that trail and seeing what it's like, but they get a little bit more. And then they're like, oh, this guy's really cool. We should subscribe to his channel. So I feel like, yeah. I feel like doing something a little extra is, is always, is always a good thing. Yeah, I think BCPOV is really good at doing that. I mean, they travel a lot, but the like, like I, you're not watching his video to under to like learn that trail. You're watching the video for whatever the story is. Where like I think somebody like Brian's channel, like BKXE, is really like some of it. You're kind of vicariously traveling with him, but some of it's like 
because he travels so much, he can get all these like geographic pockets of people that are actually looking for that trail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't really think of anybody who's super big that just goes and does what we were doing a couple of months ago, which was just basically, basically we were trying to give people like a map for riding at specific um, trail systems. And we were definitely adding in our little touch of flavor with stuff. Like we were, you know, showing the features that we would do and stuff like that. But um, we just thought there has to be a little bit something more to it to to get people outside of just Pennsylvania. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we went to other states as well, but it was really this kind of cluster of people that we were getting from Pennsylvania, which was pretty cool. We would go places and people would recognize us, which felt really cool. But um, we definitely were like, oh, we have to expand this to a worldwide demographic for it to get the numbers that we really want for it to be our actual job and make a lot of money off of it. Mm -hmm. you know, not, that, not that that's the goal, but we want to get to the point where we can sustain ourselves off the channel because that's the ultimate goal is to, to do this all the time, have both of us do it and really, you know, get into it. So, yeah. Yeah, what do you, when you very first started the channel, is that what you were, you were thinking? That was like the ultimate goal right out the gate or it was just have fun? I don't know, what'd you say? Just I think it was to have fun, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely started off as fun and we didn't post, um, I mean, it's still fun. It's not that it started off as fun, it's just downhill after that, but yeah. um, it definitely uh, it definitely started off as just something to do to kind of document ourselves. Um, and I've always kind of liked making videos of skateboarding and different stuff growing up. So it's just natural to to share my progression in the sport and just share the camaraderie between me and my friends and Katie. So it kind of started off as that. And then at some point I was like, oh, people are making a living doing this. And I really was like, there's nothing else that sounds cool as a job other than being a YouTuber to me. So at one point I was like, we got to go all in with this. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're still not making the amount of money that you could sustain a whole family off of. And, you know, there's no, no debt or bills or anything. Um, but, you know, we're making some money now, which is really, really cool. And we're stoked from the point that we came from to getting to this point. And we just kind of want to, I don't know, step it up to the next level every year and every month and every week. And, just try to get better. Yeah. What do you what do you do to get better? What's your what's your plan there? So lately, I think we've been spending a lot of time reflecting and learning. When you say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've been spending a lot of time watching videos and just kind of taking a step back from the posting every week because we were doing that for I think like a year and a half. We were posting every single week. And it just kind of felt like we were getting a little bit behind and getting a little bit burnt out with it. And it just felt like it was like a uh, trudging process to try to get the next video out every week. So we've kind of taken a step back and are trying to focus on different aspects of being a YouTuber and just perfect things that maybe we weren't really focusing on before. Whereas before we were just focusing on just like, you know, rapid firing as much content as we could because we kind of just thought that more is merrier and the more content we had the more likely we're going to get views and you know all that so yeah yeah i mean it's definitely something to think about i mean some people really go under that that you know as much content as possible kind of thing i know bkxe for the longest time would say like three videos a week that's what you got to do yeah but um 
it seems like some people have ha a lot of people have slowed down their their doing that i i think there's a lot of different ways to go about it you know but i think the one thing that i always that, that always comes to mind whenever i'm having this conversation is something that mr b said about if you only put out one video every four months but it gets like a hundred thousand views or a million views whatever the number is right but instead you put out one like every week and those only get like a quarter of that like yeah it's better to just do the banger and yeah uh, not um try to like beat yourself up over going as quick as you possibly can yeah but i think there's something to be said especially when you're growing to have like pretty consistent content because that's what kind of gets people to know who you are and i think at the end of the day that's why people tend to be more subscribed on youtube is because they feel like they're they're friends with these people or they really get to know you yeah. you know yeah, I remember seeing something at one point where, um, you know, how I was saying we always kind of look up YouTube um, tips videos and how to grow your channel and, and stuff like that. I remember seeing something like you have to make 100 videos before you really start to know where you're going with your channel and start to figure out all the, you know, the, the little parts of what makes a channel, like how to film, how to edit how to be on camera, you kind of have to do it a lot of times before you are able to make high quality videos. I used to make videos before I started this channel, but I never really had, you know, like lessons or went to school for any of this kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. it was a lot of figuring out at first. So I feel like the doing the video every week thing for a while was really, really good. Um, and I still think we could benefit from doing it. Um, I just feel like at this point, we're slowing down a little bit and we might pick it back up to where we do it every week. But I think we just have to kind of first figure out where we are. And then if we get on a roll with something, then we probably would. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to posting more than once a week um, as long as we feel like we have genuine content that resonates with our audience. We don't feel like we're just like pushing stuff out just to, to get it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's totally about um, like where you're at in the moment and trying to figure it out for yourself in your own unique situation. But um, yeah, posting a lot definitely is good. But I do remember Mr. Beast also said in that video, it's it's something about like, it's easier to get 100,000 views than it is to get uh, 1,000 views on 100 videos or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, something along those lines. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot to learn at the very beginning. And I... I throughout the, I think I've been doing my channel since like 2017. And there's been several times through that, that time frame that I thought like, oh, okay, I got it figured out. And every time oh, yeah. I think I have it like figured out, like six months from then, like if I was to talk to myself, I'd be like, dude, you're clueless. <laughs> you <know? laughs> dude, I totally know how you feel. Yeah. And yeah. I always tell people like my last edit, I always feel like is my best one because I, I learn something new every time I'm editing. Like if it's just some little trick in the software or just um, things that I just didn't care about in the beginning, like I would never care about color grading anything. Yeah. You know? And most of the time I'd just be like, I don't even care. It's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but then I look at those videos now and I'm like, man, that looks like poop. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I think your videos look really, really good. We were watching a couple. Um, it, I I think it was a recent video, but just the 
the camera quality and the shots that you had just looked really good. And I'm like, damn, I really want to get to that level someday of like the really, uh, it's, it's not so much cinematic, it's just really well shot. Like it's, it's a very personal video. Um, and I just felt a lot of like connection to the actual content because of the way that it was filmed and thought it was really good. So we're definitely want to save up and get a really nice camera someday too. Cause right now we're still just shooting on iPhones and GoPros and stuff. So. Dude, I'll tell you, like, honestly, the iPhone is a pretty rad camera and, um, the, the, like for the most part, like most of my stuff is either a GoPro or, I mean, I have a drone, so that helps for a lot of like the kind of like out there kind of stuff. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's the GoPro that I'm using most of the time. And then I do like, if I'm sitting you know, in my house or something like that. I am using the nicer camera, but I don't think that that quality difference is like much better than what you would get out of uh, like a newer iPhone. Yeah. It's, um, I, I personally think like the main reason that I bought that camera is because I really wanted to get into like taking pictures and stuff like that too. And I feel like that, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that like was a better investment on that camera than it it being like a good investment for my channel. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Do you use like, it for like personal photography or do you do stuff for the channel or a little bit of both? Kind of a little bit of both. You know, sometimes my, at the same time that I got that, my, my wife wanted to like, we both wanted to learn how to like take pictures instead of just using her phone, you know? Yeah, so we, we got two cameras and like, sometimes we'll go out and we'll just like spend the afternoon just going out and like shooting pictures. It'll be like, oh, let's go downtown and, you know, to the flower garden and take a bunch of pictures or let's go around town. One day I did with my, my daughter and her friend, we like took a bunch of pictures of them around all the like graffiti murals and stuff that we have around town. And just like, just fun things to like a fun way to, to A, get better and B, just go outside and do something, you know, it doesn't always have to be like climbing to the top of some mountain or something. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel like we would really like having a camera be multi-purpose if we ever got one. I don't, I mean, I don't even know anything about cameras to be honest. Like I feel like that's one of the biggest things too, is getting into it. I'd probably have to do so much research because when I mean, you're getting a GoPro is like what, like the GoPro and like the DJI and you know, yeah. you get like the newer GoPro or whatever. Um, but with cameras, I feel like it gets, you get in the weeds pretty quick there. Well, even with a GoPro, I mean, I remember I got mine and then like, I'm like, okay, sweet. I'm gonna make videos. And then, then it's like, okay, what frame rate do you want to use? I'm like, uh, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. You know, and, and, um, like, like we said, it, it's so much to learn when you're getting started that to be honest, it kind of paralyzed me at the beginning because I, in my mind would have this picture of, you know, some awesome cinematic, probably content closer to what I'm making now, you know, but yeah, I, I just didn't know how to do that. So then I would spend, you know, three hours looking up how to do something that takes 10 seconds, you know, that that's like 10 seconds of the video. And it'd yeah. be like, okay, now I turn this one edit into like a week. Yeah. <laughs> then it's really hard to like, that's not sustainable, you know? Yeah, no, I feel that. 
Yeah, it's it's weird um, looking back on how far we've come and just just like the simple thing of understanding frame rates and how that works. I remember that when I first learned about that, it just it doesn't really make sense. Um, and you try to explain that to maybe somebody that doesn't do YouTube or or just even making videos at all to some people is just maybe seems like a point and shoot kind of thing. Maybe they don't understand how much editing and all that goes into it because they're just used to seeing it on TV or, you know, on YouTube all the time. Um, I've heard people say that, and maybe not directly to me, but I, I've heard from other people that they think that making a YouTube video that's 10 minutes long, is just 10 minutes of filming, but they don't understand that there's, you know, six hours or more sometimes of filming that goes into it and then cutting it all down and hours and hours of editing. So, yeah. uh, it, it takes a lot of work, like just to even make 10 minute YouTube videos and have them out once a week. It's it can be a forty hour a week or more job sometimes, and uh, yeah. I don't know if people truly understand how much actually goes into it. So yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, I, I, you, for the people that are listening that maybe aren't content creators or are not super familiar with file sizes, but you could film on your GoPro for like a couple of hours and have like sixty or seventy gigs worth of 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 files would that sound does that sound about right nick yeah i would say yeah so my last project the video i just released yesterday for the vizari video that project folder had over 600 gigs of video in it that i had to turn into that i turned into like 13 minutes you know so it's like just an insane amount of of footage and I, even then, sometimes I would be like, oh, man, I need to go film this other thing. It would be great if I had a shot of, you know, my foot on this pedal or something like that. And yeah, and then you get to a certain point where you're like, OK, I just need to, like, deal with what I have and figure something else out. Yeah. Yeah. So I are mean, you doing all the editing or Katie, are you doing some of it as well or? I don't edit, but I watch him edit and I kind of help him. Like, I'll like I'll be like the judge kind of thing. yeah <laughs> but he's like hey Tim, come and take a look at this and i'm like all right and then he's like what do you think about this and i'll be like well you could do this you could do that i like that i don't like that you know i yeah, kind of try really to make judgment for it yeah it's yeah. really good to have somebody that does that for you yeah. um and somebody that can be subjective so like where you can be like yeah that kind of got boring you know yeah <laughs> definitely so yeah. yeah and she doesn't i mean no offense i mean this is the best way for editing like her attention span can quickly just go to like oh puppy and then yeah. i'm just like oh no nope, the video wasn't good there i need to like make it a little bit more catchy so yeah because yeah, some the perfect person and i'm brutally honest she's yeah she's very honest yeah which is well, like, that's really good though because like some people like i there's certain friends or, or family members i could show a video to and it doesn't matter if it's crap or not they'd be like that was awesome oh, you yeah. know <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, uh, I need you to tell me, like, at any point, like, did you feel like you wanted to look away, or when yeah. did you start thinking about doing your laundry instead of watching? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and she does. Uh, she even does that, like, for the scripts and everything like that. So, and it's really good because I'll type stuff out sometimes. She's like, uh, maybe that, like, or I don't get what you're trying to say with that, or something like that. So it's just. It's interesting seeing stuff from another perspective because sometimes when you can explain something, even if it's techy or maybe if it's just something that you feel is like more simple, if somebody doesn't get it, then you're like, oh, yeah, I just kind of assumed something. And then she will tell me that and bring things to my attention. So 
it saves me from even filming it in the first place sometimes, which is good. And also ideas too. Like I'll come up with all these YouTube ideas and um, she'll come like home from work and stuff. And I'll like ask her about these ideas and she's like, oh, maybe you should do this instead or like add this aspect to it. Or did you think about it this way? And so sometimes it's hard for me to even move forward to the next step without consulting her. Cause then I'm just like, oh, I really wish I would have talked to you first because it would have saved me from, you know, starting on something that I maybe didn't realize at first. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really good. She's, she's kind of like my consultant, I guess, in a way <laughs> for ideas, scripts, editing, everything you, like that. So, so is your process, your creative process that you try to script something out first? Do you just come up with an idea? How do you go about it? Um, depends what the video is, uh, like for our exploring videos, obviously those weren't scripted. We just went out and just kind of were like ourselves and just explored to the best of our abilities. Um, obviously we looked up like the trails beforehand. So mm -hmm. we kind of had an idea where we were going, but on our recent videos, they've been scripted. And, uh, recently in the last couple of videos, I've tried to kind of get away from just reading the script so much and just like instead writing the script so I can have all my thoughts formulated and understood in my own head so I can kind of read them back to myself and understand them. And then I just kind of read the script, but don't read it word for word so that it feels a little bit more personal and authentic. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know how you are with doing scripts, but like, I, I just feel like if I just sit down in front of a camera and I try to explain something, I'm just going to be like, 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 um, like all the time. Cause I'm just not, I'm not to that level of speaking ability, I guess you could say yet. So, uh, you know I what, man, we, some of us, we have our good days and we have our bad days. There will be some times where I'm just trying to say one sentence and I've filmed it 60 times. It's like, yep. are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. I can't say this word, but if I don't hit record, I can say it perfectly. Oh, but as yeah. soon as you hit that button, it's like, pfft, yeah. So. Well, they always say just pretend you're sitting there and talking to your friend when you're making a video. So you kind of get that personal thing. But like, I just can't look at a phone and pretend it's my friend. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just, there's like a disconnect there. As easy as that, that tip sounds and how wonderful yeah. it sounds, it just, it's a little harder to do sometimes. Yeah, when I first started, I tried to just ad lib everything. And then yeah. um, I was doing pretty well with that. But then what would happen was I would watch the video later and then realize that I didn't like talk about some major points that I wanted to. So, and originally I never wanted to do voiceover. And this is kind of just like my learning process through the, way, the years, right? And yeah. somewhere along the line, I'm like, if I do a voiceover, I can actually say the things that I want. You know, and yeah. so then I started realizing, oh, I can use what I said and the voiceover to kind of like tell a better story. But I do something similar as you now is like, even when I'm going to say something straight to the camera, I'll write it out. So I have the thoughts. And then, like you said, I use the script kind of like a PowerPoint where yeah. it's like just to remind me of what I want to say. And then I also use those like moments where I screw up what I'm saying to be like, oh, well, I could change the camera angle now. And then it it looks like it's the same take, but it's yep. not, you know, yeah. so it, so then you're like, oh, I can get these three sentences out at this angle and then move it back over here and get these three sentences out at this angle. Yeah. And then you splice it all together. And, you know, everybody's none the wiser when they're watching it. So <laughs> you exposed yourself. We all know now you're not perfect. You're, 
I'm telling you, man, there, there's, there's so many things, especially as you get to do it more like that you notice in other people's videos as well. I mean, we all do it. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, I got to put on the same clothes I was wearing yesterday so I can finish this. So it looks like. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to like shoot a thumbnail. And it's like, if I'm not wearing the same shirt, it's gonna they're going to be like, what the hell is this thumbnail I have to do with the video? And yeah, so, yeah, no, I, yeah, totally, and I totally know how you feel. The funny thing is, is, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't matter if we had different clothes on the whole way through the video. Nobody would say anything. Yeah. Like, I always say that. The most of the stuff that we do is actually for us and other creators and not for the people that are watching the video. Yeah, it's like this weird, like I have this weird thing in my head and I feel like sometimes I'll, I'll get in my head about what I have to do for a thumbnail or what I have to do for a video. And it's like this huge, like almost like, um, like I'm going so far out of my way to do something just because I'm like, oh, I feel like this is the thing that would make the video really good, even though it's, it could be just as good to film something at my house. I feel like I have to go through the extra effort because I almost feel like the viewers are going to be like, oh, he like he like got in his car and drove and like spent an afternoon doing this. So like, therefore, the video quality is better. Whereas like, does it really add more quality to the video? I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm always trying to like go somewhere to take a thumbnail picture, but I'm just like, I could crop the background or, you know, use something from before. It'd probably be just as good, but will it? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. It's really tough to do. I, I think those are things that probably as you get better, you, you start to recognize where you can cut those corners, you know? So like yeah. you could maybe use a screenshot from your GoPro and then take some picture of you close up, like with your like confused face or whatever. Yeah. And then you can crop that on top of it and then it doesn't matter. But I do the same thing as you. I mean, there's, there's plenty of times where I'm like, I could film this or take this picture in my backyard, but the landscaping looks like landscaping. Yeah. So it's like, now I want to take my bike to like somewhere where the trees and the bushes look like a trail. And then it's like, dude, what am I doing? Like, does anybody really even care? Yeah, <laughs> true. And then it's also this whole thing now that I'm starting to notice is are, are people wanting like very Photoshopped and very edited thumbnails or are they wanting more of that raw thumbnail? Cause I've seen a lot of videos that have tons of views that either have like almost a like meme like thumbnail this almost seems like a joke or it's just like a a straight picture with no words on it um nothing to really jazz it up no like glow on it or any kind of effects and i see those sometimes do good too so i'm like am i over over editing the thumbnails are they looking too like clickbaity are they looking too youtubery so there's a yeah. lot that goes in i mean thumbnails can drive you absolutely mad i I've been spending more time on my thumbnails lately, like literally almost an entire day of work on a thumbnail. And I'm still like, oh, this is garbage. <laughs> yeah, thumbnails are hard. I mean, it's definitely, I'm I'm not, I'm not a, a pro at it. It's one of those things that I ignored for a long time. But um, it's, it's definitely, I think the more dialed you get it, the better it is. Because I, I don't think that, those those circumstances where those ones like just blow up that look super simple i feel like that's like a fluke or True. like not not as like the norm the way yeah. i always think about thumbnails is it's like your pickup line right yeah. Be because you have one shot in like the two seconds that somebody's eye looks there to grab their attention and then from there they might read what's on it and then from there they might read the title 
And those yep. are all like, you know, like, like your pickup line. Like you come in, you said whatever you said first, and then the girl's going to look at you. And if yeah. you're dressed like crap, they're like, I'm out, you know, like, yeah. or, or right. you look like you haven't your outfit in your shoes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so you were saying about Mr. Beast video or something? I think there was a video we watched that described exactly what you were saying. So yeah. Oh, that's funny. Maybe Mr. Beast. I don't know. It might not have been Mr. Beast. Yeah, there's a lot of videos out there where it's like Mr. Beast's editor or somebody that worked with Mr. Beast or something like that. They'll they'll make like a channel where they share tips. And um, something we realized recently that's really big is contrast and color for um, YouTube thumbnails and how certain colors draw you in. I mean, you obviously know that with your thumbnails, you have like the yellow. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really attention grabbing. Um, and then just like the contrast in it to draw your eye. And I never really focused on that too much before. I kind of focused more on having continuity with all my thumbnails, use like the same fonts, um, just had like a picture of us usually or like, the places we were riding, something that was interesting. And I feel like they were okay, but they definitely lacked that curve appeal that like pizzazz that gets people to, you know, when they're looking at their home screen, draw their attention directly there and see what the video is about. I, I think our videos maybe blend in a little bit too much. Yeah, I think for a long time, I always wanted to have my logo on there because I wanted it to be like brand recognition, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It used to have my logo like super big and I do the same thing as you. I try to keep the font and everything the same just to, um, I feel like it, it's like branding for for people that um, like when they see it, like they'll it'll jump out to them that it's like, oh, this is one of those videos that I've watched before, you know, or like yeah. a, a creator that I watched before. But I've definitely started to play with fonts a little bit more here and there because um, sometimes it, it's better to like have some different fonts to like make a different reaction you know totally yeah we actually just watched this really interesting video all about fonts and like the history of them and <laughs> why they're like important and that's what totally because if you look at all of my thumbnails they're all you know the same font i use lato um and i use like the biggest lato size or whatever for the font and i've used that literally since the beginning of starting our channel because it's just very bold and you know you can read it and it was always in capital as well um and then recently i after watching that video i started experimenting in like the last two thumbnails i used like comic sans and i used this like chalk font and I, it was just because exactly what you were saying you just kind of want to send a little bit of a different message and i never really realized before how much the font that you read something in really kind of illustrates what you're trying to say even more. Um, and I felt like I was, you know, not using them to their full ability. So the more you can, you know, send a message with a thumbnail, the better, because you only have this little tiny space. So use it as good as you can, you know? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. It's really interesting stuff. You know, the, it's one of those things where you, like you said, you don't think about it until you're creating the content. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wow. This makes a huge difference. So yeah. what kind of bike do you guys ride? You want to go first? I have a specialized stump jumper expert. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a full suspension bike or a yeah, hardtail? It's, it's a full suspension. Is it 29er or? 29er. Yep. Right on. <laughs> and how about you, Nick? Um, so I have a Santa Cruz 5010C. 
Um, that's been my bike for, I think I've had it for two years now. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's only my second full suspension bike, but I honestly, I don't even like look at other bikes. I just love it so much. Like I don't, like I'm not like looking for a new bike or even care yeah. about any bikes that come out. I'm just like, this is my baby. And uh, it's one of the, it's, well, it actually is the last year that they made the 5010 full 27.5. And I'm like a big 27.5 guy. So um going to try to hold on to it as long as I can. I love that bike. Yeah. Yeah. 27.5 is a lot of fun. I um, was a 27.5 guy only for a long time as well. And slowly the 29ers are like creeping their way in. So yeah. it happens whether you like it or not. I'm riding a mullet right now and actually it's pretty fun. So it, it definitely is a different kind of riding though when you have a 29er wheel, then it like takes your brain a little bit to get used to it. Yeah. I think a few years back, they weren't riding as good as they are now. So, um, yeah, I don't think it matters as much as it used to is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I had a, a stump jumper just like hers, too. That was my 29er before I had this bike. Um, I had like an entry level 27.5 pitch, uh, specialized pitch. And then I got the stump jumper, which was a 29er because like, you know, how everybody's like, you got to get a 29er, they're the best, like new technology. It's it just better in every way shape and form so i kind of got onto that bandwagon and i was just like oh man i don't really like it because i i really felt like i was too high up on the bike um mm -hmm. and i couldn't put my foot down very easily i was on a size large um and then i went to the 5010 which has like a super low standover height the 27.5 wheels and i was pretty hooked on that um and if i if I would get a 29er, I would probably try to get something with like a really low standover, um, you know, get the seat tube way out of the way. Uh, I feel like I would maybe like that. So I'm not completely, you know, against 29ers or anything like that, but uh, yeah, yeah. I love my bike now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, just try different bikes. Like honestly, yeah. if you get a chance to go somewhere that you can demo different things or something like that, because it, it's, it, the way that one bike feels even or even looks on paper it may not ride that way at all like the reviews on the bike that i'm riding right now if i would have completely just trusted the views i or the reviews i i don't think i would have ever even ridden the bike and i actually really like it a lot so it's yeah. um it's surprising how many times that's happened to me in the past like there was a point when when before i bought my first bronson I was I was on the fence between getting a Bronson and a a Yeti, I can't, I don't, whichever one it was at the time, like the SB5 or something, and uh, like I really thought I wanted the Yeti, and then whenever I I demoed one, I was like I didn't like the way it felt at all, you know, and it was yeah, it was surprising. So yeah, you never know. You definitely try stuff out. <laughs> I guess that's the the moral of the story. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I would personally, I think you would like it as well. Um, a mullet, kind of like you have right now. You have the uh, Fazari LaSalle, right? Is that the yeah, one? yeah, that's what I'm riding right now. Yeah. yeah, and that's is that a longer travel? Is that like 160 something like that? It's a 170. Yeah. 170. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like for like a longer travel bike, I would definitely like a mullet bike. Um, yeah. With the with the 5010 being like 140, 130. I like that it's super nimble and kind of small and can, mm -hmm. you know, be fun on stuff like Rocky Ridge and yeah. um, some places around here. And like, if you take it to like a, uh, like a skills park or like a miniature bike park type thing where you pedal to the top, it's super fun. 
Um, but if I was like going to Michelle or going to a bike park all the time, I feel like I would really like a mullet and, you know, a little bit more travel. Yeah. 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 When I was there, um, I, I was on my, my, my Bronson when I was in Pennsylvania last. And honestly, like even at Michelle, for the most part, I feel like you could get away with a pretty short travel bike. Cause it seems like a lot of of what I, at least what I was riding while I was there, it didn't seem like it was like real big, like, and real, like crazy fast. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of the trails in Pennsylvania, like I climbed up at, at my show, it was like two and a half or three miles. And in my mind, like in California, if I climbed up three miles, it's going to take me like, like five to 10 minutes to get back down that. You know, and in the show, it took me like 45 minutes to get back down that because yeah. it's just like all this like, you know, slower tech and, and stuff like that. So it was really interesting to to kind of see how that was different. But um, I, I think what I was going to say was originally I I had had a tall boy in the Bronson and whenever I got the longer travel, I wanted to be able to have like a, a more of a spread in between the two bikes. Yeah, so that's sure. that's why I got that, and um, so now I got to figure out another shorter travel bike. But I actually like having the twenty nine er for the shorter travel bike because because it doesn't have as much suspension, but then it rolls over things a little better. True. Yeah, yeah I feel like it's really it really comes down to what you ride a lot um, and what bike you would need. I mean, I'm really stoked with having just the fifty ten as my one go to bike because. Right now, you know, it, mountain bikes are expensive, so it would yeah, be to have like like a few of them. And I mean, that's obviously the goal, especially with you know the mountain bike channel. Maybe brands will reach out eventually, or we'll reach out to them, and we'll have a little bit of um, more of an opportunity to try out different bikes and different products and stuff like that. Um, but since I knew I was just gonna have one bike, I feel like the fifty ten really covers the ground for um, yeah. this area, which I'm stoked on. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing too about Michelle, like you were saying with like the slower tech is I feel like if you can, if you're on a 27.5 bike with the amount of travel that mine has and you're going really slow through stuff and checking things out, you're okay on that bike. But if you're going to try to like smash through stuff and kind of do more like enduro racing, I feel like then you definitely want the longer travel and like 29er wheels for sure and everything like that. So yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, I love that kind of riding, honestly, and I would love to do enduro races. So I think my next bike, if I would get one, would probably be um, like an enduro bike, something like that. So I can do mm -hmm. a little bit faster riding and not have to be so, I don't know, delicate with my 5010 and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think the 5010, like stock, if I remember, is like a 134. Is that, make, is that right? Uh, 140 fork and 130 rear travel. Oh, okay. Yeah, because my tall boy was like 130, 120, and then I changed the fork to a 140. Oh, and nice. I really liked I really liked that a lot. It 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 it, it, rode, it rode pretty good. So um yeah, no, I think that the Santa Cruz makes good bikes. I mean, I was a Santa Cruz fanboy for a long time. And I and I can't say that I'm I'm not still, but um I'm definitely in a spot right now where I'm I want to try some different bikes because I've been on Santa Cruz for so long. So um I guess it is what it is, right? Where do you guys yeah. ride at mostly? Um, <laughs> Rocky Ridge. <laughs> yeah, I mean Rocky Ridge is definitely like our like main spot. Uh -huh. super easy to get to, and not not too far to go. 
Yeah, that's a that's our main like spot. I would say that's probably my favorite local spot. And then we also have um, the lakes right near us. Like, we call it like Lake Redmond, but it's uh, Lake William and what is it? Lake, Lake yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, um, Redmond and also Cadoris. Yeah, also Cadoris too. So there, I mean, there's a few different options that are within like a half hour ride. Um, mm -hmm. Cadoris is cool because they actually have like little jumps and a lot of like berms. It's really tight, kind of fun riding, which is great for the 5010 again. Um, and then the lakes are a little bit more like cross country, wouldn't you say? There's not really any features or anything. It's just kind of good for getting like the workout in. And then Rocky Ridge, you know all about Rocky Ridge. Yeah. Very rocky, and it, there's some uh, there's some pretty steep areas there too. Like if you go on the the north side of the mountain, uh, you can get some pretty good downhill practice in there, and some pretty steep climbing back up. So it's got, it's yeah. got a little bit of everything around us, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to. I remember going to Lake Redmond when I first was learning how to mountain bike um, back in the '90s, and it was like. I mean, we were just basically riding hiking trails back then. So, but it was still even then. It was, down, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was pretty flat. And I just remember there was this one hill. We used to call it Mount Flatliner because it just felt like your heart wanted to stop when you went up it. But uh, yeah, 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 it's good stuff, man. So where do you guys, where do you guys want to go with the channel? Like, what do you want? What do you want to, how do you want to see it, it work out in the future? Oh, man. I mean, it kind of goes back to the constantly evolving and seeing what the next step is. Um, just right now, just trying to, like, enjoy where we're at and kind of be stoked on the progress that we've made. And uh, just, yeah, just figuring out what the next step is. I think we definitely have some some goals for the channel, though. Uh, one thing we'd really like to do, and um, I've kind of seen this happening a lot in our area is uh, the development of skills parks and they're kind of just like little mini bike parks almost where they have you know jumps and different stuff like that um we don't have anything like that in our direct area we kind of have to drive like an hour so eventually with the channel it would be really cool once we get some more support to start something like that perhaps i know uh seth did that with uh, uh burn park um and i just I feel like that would be a really cool way for us to give back someday if there was like a legacy thing that we did with the channel that was bigger than just the channel and ourselves that would be something we would mm -hmm. love to do and uh i mean personally i really have always wanted one of the silver play buttons so that's a huge goal for the channel um i just think they're like the coolest trophy that you could ever get so uh silver play button and just basically to be able to spend like every day just hanging out with Katie and working on YouTube. She she works right now so that I can work on YouTube. And then on the weekends, we work on YouTube together. But it would be really cool if someday we could just, you know, do this full time together and uh, just live our lives, hang out with our puppy and go biking. And that would be <laughs> the dream. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Have you guys tried the short form con content? Are you doing much of that? We've dabbled a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, I I made a uh, short today, but I kind of go back and forth with it. Like sometimes I give it more focus and more attention, and then sometimes I'm just like, ah, this isn't really leading to, you know, what I want to get out of it. So it kind of fizzles out for a little bit, and then you know, uh, YouTube is definitely our main focus. So sometimes if people follow us on Instagram, they might notice that I go like a week or two without posting on there. And <laughs> that's just because I'm focusing a little bit more on YouTube. 
but uh yeah i mean i think we've tried a few different tactics too like we've we've tried to make funny stuff kind of how like normal mountain biker does and colorado kid and justin maker and all those guys uh we tried that for a little bit and we tried more informative stuff and i think we just kind of realized that um kind of like your channel you're kind of like a variety show like we've kind of come to to realize and i think that's kind of how we are too like we're just we're just making all things related to mountain biking because I don't think we are like the the tech guys or we're like the riding guys or we're the funny guys. We're kind of a combination of all those things. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the short form is definitely a way that you can actually grow your, your audience too, you know, and, and still be like making the longer form content as well. I mean, yeah. like... Calirado, um, for a long time, he was making long, long form content and his channel just wasn't growing at all. And once he started doing short form contra content, he went from like 5,000 to like 100,000 or whatever, like overnight. Amen. You know? So it, it's definitely, um, I think, you know, when you're starting, it's like also just trying to figure out what you want to do. And, I, I don't know. I think you just have to do whatever you're passionate about. That's, at least that's what I've been doing. But I, I I haven't had a clear goal for myself and my channel. Like at times I thought I wanted to be a full-time YouTuber. And at other times I thought I didn't really care. And other times I just wanted to quit. <laughs> so, so, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely... Um, I think I think as long as you're making stuff that you're happy with, then it'll it'll stay fun. It's really easy to get burned out, especially if you start trying to do things that you're not like super stoked about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like it's it's a balance of what your subscribers and the general audience of YouTube want to see and then what you also want to put out there, because if you're just a slave to the algorithm, then it's just going to feel like work. Um, so trying to find a good balance of that. I, I try to think of what's really going on in my life and make content about that rather than, uh, in the past, sometimes I would, you know, look at other niches and maybe get inspiration from them or just, you know, kind of, uh, not so much like take somebody's idea, but just like repurpose an idea, um, or just do something that's a little bit more basic. Whereas I find it's a little bit more like enriching if I can like, you know, just get myself to think for a while and just focus and be like, what is a real concern that I have in the mountain biking world? And what could I maybe do to talk about this or fix it or just even bring up the problem at all? Uh, I feel like mm -hmm. those videos are really interesting to me. And I feel like they also um, do pretty well with the audience too, because mm -hmm. it's kind of a different perspective. And if you're just kind of reiterating what somebody else has already said, or just doing something that maybe isn't that, original maybe it won't do as well like you kind of want to create your own little individuality to your channel mm -hmm. and, and you know make it more personal yeah i saw in one of your videos that um like a local skills park or something like that you had said like reached out to you to to help promote it how did that come yeah. about um so i don't know i mean it i guess we were just like making the adventure like exploring videos that we were making and there, and also we've been going to tons of skills parks. Yeah, like I feel like that's something that's kind of unique about us. I feel like we started going to a lot of skills parks. Yeah. And like documenting them. Yeah. Everything. So. Yeah, I feel like 
like the skills parks thing for us, like at one point we just totally realized that skills parks were huge for our progression and we just started going to them for all of our exploring videos and it's just kind of where we really wanted to go. So I feel like we kind of became the skills park people for a while, <laughs> um, which was cool because we literally got to go to every single skills park in our state pretty much and bordering states. Um, and yeah, I I think we have a lot of fun at the skills parks oh, yeah. too, which is sick. So, um, and then yeah, one of the, the dudes, uh, Chad, uh, who was like a coach for uh, one of the youth um, mountain bike teams there, just reached out to us and he was like, yo, you should come up and, uh, you know, just make a video and like hang out and like meet everybody. And it was really cool because there was tons of people out there that knew about our channel and like his kids knew about it. And it was just a really wholesome, nice experience. And I don't know, it was really cool. We kind of felt like we were like mini YouTube celebrities there for a day. And yeah. um, so it was, it was a really cool experience. That was, uh, that was pretty awesome. What does it, what did it feel like when you started getting recognized when you go out? Um, it honestly felt a little scary, like at first sometimes because- I'd be confused. I'd be yeah. like, are you sure you know me? Like, what are you talking about? Well, like you get caught off guard sometimes. You're like, you're just, I don't know. You might be like at the store and like zoning out, maybe making a dumb face or yeah, something. And someone's like, just like, hey, like Nick and Katie, I'm just like, like what's up like and then like, were we like, my, was i picking my nose or something yeah. oh my god <laughs> so and like one time somebody said they like saw us driving and i was like oh my god like yeah like on the highway it's crazy so, weird. so you'll you feel like kind of always have to be on which is like it's it's totally cool like it's i don't know it just it makes you feel different about the world you live in because i feel like we're not huge like like before the channel we're not like big members of the community like we don't like spend all of our time like volunteering or, or you know what I mean doing stuff where we would be recognized for anything other than YouTube so it's just a little bit it was a little bit weird at first but um yeah. it's not like we're like Tom Cruise or something like that it's like yeah. every now and then but especially when we're yeah, I mean the bigger your channel gets the more that it happens and the more that you do like content in your area the more that you're, you're like naturally you're going to get a lot of people that are from your area so it'll just happen more and more i think the yeah. thing that I, that's always weird for me is that you have to remember that these people know so much about you but you don't know anything about them yeah like, you know like they'll come up and they'll want to have you know a bunch of conversations with you about a bunch of different things and it's like dude i don't even know your name and you're like how's this happening and what did, well how was that and what did you know yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, the, the freaking name thing. Like, I, I always feel so bad, too, because, like, I was saying, like, they kind of, like, catch you off guard. So you're, like, trying to even remember what your own name is when they're telling you their name. <laughs> and so it's, like, I never remember these people's name. And then sometimes I'll see them multiple times. And it's just you feel bad, but it's it kind of just is what it is, you know. Yeah. Maybe, like, the third time you run into them, you're like, hey, can I get your name again? Because, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm horrible at remembering names. So throughout my whole life, I've gotten good at getting people's names out of them without them realizing I'm asking them again. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely interesting when you're, you're, you're bumping into people like that. And that's really cool that you, you are getting like, like people in the community to start reaching out to you because, um, 
I mean, it takes a while for that stuff to happen. So you're, you're a couple thousand subscribers in and, and it seems like you guys are, are kind of moving along the right path there. Yeah, it's definitely a cool feeling. I mean, just this this week alone, um, I mean, obviously you reached out like oh, a couple or like a week or so or even more ago. Um, and then somebody else also reached out to us. And within the same week, we're doing this podcast. And then on Sunday, uh, we got invited to Trexler. I'm not sure if you know where Trexler is out in mm -hmm. like near Philly area. Um, oh, cool. We got invited to a uh, race out there to come and participate in and make a video about. So it felt really cool that you know like we were super appreciative that you invited us on this show mm -hmm. and that they invited us out there and so it kind of feels like things are picking up and um it's good because sometimes as a youtuber like like we were talking earlier you kind of have these moments of of almost like self-doubt like is this working like is it going well the views are kind of like you know up and down so when something like this happens twice in one week you kind of feel really rejuvenated and inspired to yeah um to really like make content and feel you, you feel like a lot of responsibility um yeah. we were talking a lot about that recently that it's it's nerve-wracking because you're meeting these new people and it's like this new experience but it really is just a responsibility um and people are you know looking to your content and they they really like it and they they want to see you do well and succeed so it's it's pressure but it's more responsibility i feel like is um, a more positive term for it and it it feels really good honestly so yeah yeah i think at this point i've been doing it for so long there's so many things that i forget how it felt you know to be in your shoes so it's interesting to talk to you guys to like remember some of that stuff you know because yeah I, I think it's good to um to keep yourself grounded you know because after a while you you like for me, I, I, at this point, like people come up to me and, and, you know, recognize me wherever. And it's not like, it's surprising to me at all. You know what I mean? Where like, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that right on dude. How's it going? You know, like, <laughs> and I can, you That's know, just cool. turn on and turn off like pretty easy. But um, yeah, I, I do remember at one point when I first started, like, it did feel a little overwhelming at times because I would like, sometimes i would just want to go on a ride and like not have to like like talk about the channel you know what yeah. i mean and, and it would be like i remember going to one of my local spots and and just being like okay i'm gonna get in there and get out of the parking lot as fast as i can before somebody else comes <laughs> in because i don't want anybody to see me you know what i mean and, and uh it just sounds ridiculous but it, it, i think it was just you know kind of learning how to like how to how to deal with that you know and like it is weird when somebody says they see you driving or something it's like are you like following me or yeah. like you know, i had some people say some weird stuff on like on like online before and it was like okay um well this is kind of strange like yeah do i need to be worried <laughs> you know but yeah, it is the internet you got to be careful some people yeah. like know what their intentions are so I mean, we try to stay as private as we can like we don't yeah. um you know if we're gonna go somewhere like we don't usually tell people like ahead of time or anything like that yeah. or like i mean obviously this event that we're going to there's going to be like hundreds of people there so it's a little bit different but if we were going to go out to like the trails or something like i don't know people so many people have asked us too they're like oh like i'm 
you know, new to Pennsylvania, do you guys want to go on like a, a ride or something? And it's just like this emoji or whatever, or they're just like the, the username on YouTube or Instagram. They don't even have like a picture of themselves. They don't have a channel or anything yeah. to, to really verify themselves with. So, I mean, they know us kind of like you were saying, but we don't know anything about them. And then um, it'd be one thing for some people if it was just me going, but I'm taking like my wife Katie with me. So it poses a big, you know, potential danger to both of us. Yeah. We just meet yeah. up with some stranger online. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really like everybody has their own perspective on how they want to handle that. Like, I, I've met a lot of different people, and and you know, for the most part, um, they're always really like everybody's intentions are always good. You you know what yeah. I mean? I, I, and I, I definitely, really, I definitely feel like they probably are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um. But you never know. You know what I mean? So like at the end of the day, like it, I, I feel like it's it's um, totally justified in like the way that you feel. And I, I would, you know, feel a, a duty to protect my wife as well. So like I can understand that. But yeah. on the other hand, too, you know, it's like lots of channels to like go out and do like a group ride or get togethers. Like that's really good for for like, I don't know. I think, you know, it's good to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the whole group um aspect of it would be the key. If we were gonna do something like that, it would have to be like a like a larger group of people where it's, you know, um people are looking out for everybody. Yeah. So that if there was the one weirdo, at least it's in a group of, you know, twenty yeah. solid people that would yeah. be looking out for us and care about us. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for the most part though, you you don't have anything to worry about. I think I think that um this is just my personal opinion, but I think the media has sensationalized us all enough to think that no matter what, everybody's going to like murder us. And, you yeah. know, every, every, every opportunity for your life to be Dateline is what's going to happen. And, and it like, realistically, like, that's not the case, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, all the people we meet, like in real life have been super cool. Like, um, you know, especially the people that know us from online, they've always been super friendly and, um, yeah, I think mountain bikers in general are just like a more laid back group of people. Yeah, totally. So um, if you could go anywhere to go ride right now, where would you go? Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere in the world. Hmm. Honestly, like I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, she's more of like the explorer. So I feel like you would maybe say somewhere more like exotic or like adventurous. <laughs> I just want to like go to like a really cool bike park or something like that. I just really like jumps and features and stuff. So um, I would probably go to like one of the basic places that just has a lot of that stuff like Bentonville or um, I mean, Whistler would be super cool to go to. Um, North Carolina, go to the Riveter and stuff like that. I feel like would be really sick. Um, and yeah, just even, I mean, even just the stuff around here, if there's jumps that are able to be like hit in a progressive manner where there's, you know, and I'm, I'm saying like, they're like smaller, medium, bigger, and you can kind of work up and have fun. That is really all I like to do, um, to have fun. So that's probably what you're, I would say. You're into the jumping. How about you, Katie? Where would you go? Uh, some are pretty. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Someone could meet you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any like bucket list place, but if yeah. it's if it has nice pretty trails, I like that. Yeah. I I'd say one of the most <laughs> one of the most picturesque places that I went, I, I would have never expected 
it to be the spot that I think of whenever somebody talks about this, but Sedona is like that in Arizona. It's just like, I never thought of a desert, like what could be pretty, but it, it's like every direction you look at, it, it just feels like you're standing in a postcard. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we we definitely want to get out there for the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. What kind of what festivals do you guys have? There's I think there's something up in the the northeast a little bit more like I can't remember where that one is. I, I know that there's something that I see like Lenoski and like uh some of the other content creators over there posting about. Yeah, so I um I was watching I forget who's podcast it was i think it was with phil metz you were talking to him um and you guys were talking about different events that go on you were saying about dirt fest in mm -hmm. pennsylvania um oh okay uh but that actually so we we went to it, okay let me start over so it was at allegrippus is where dirt fest was and mm -hmm. i guess like within the last couple of years they don't have it put on by uh, Dirt Rag Mag, I think, was the the magazine that sponsored it. So now it's um, Allegrippus. What's it Trail called? Days. Yeah, Allegrippus Trail Days. So it's like a kind of different event now, but it still takes place at the same venue. And we actually went this year. Um, it was pretty cool, but it definitely wasn't to the same scale that the event was in the past that we heard about. Obviously, we didn't go to it because we were just getting started. We didn't really know mm -hmm. about all the festivals and stuff. But other than that, I don't really know of any big Pennsylvania festivals right now. Uh, we probably have to travel a little bit to go to anything like super substantial. Yeah, the nice thing about back east is that everything's fairly close together. So it's like yeah. uh, there, there's you don't have to drive too far to go to like a lot of different different areas. You know, where like california for example it's like from where i live to san diego is like a nine hour drive you know yeah <laughs> yeah there's, i mean there's tons of good riding in our area honestly like where we're at like situated specifically there's the three trails that we were talking about that are kind of within an hour-ish drive for us um but we've actually um besides going to michelle which is super sick you obviously know about michelle We've been heading out east towards like Philadelphia, and there's been a lot of really good stuff being built out there. Um, there's like Mount Penn, uh, Trexler, which is that that place where they're having the race this weekend. Um, just a lot of other places like Birdsboro, uh, French Creek, just stuff that's been. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure it's been around for a while, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mount Penn, uh, Boom Sauce, um, but yeah, this has been a lot of really good like new trails being built and skills parks and stuff like that. That's also where that Phoenixville bike park was. Um, so we've been finding ourselves out that way a lot uh, to ride a lot of new stuff. And to be honest, I feel like if we were going to maybe move, we would maybe move towards Lancaster and maybe out that direction just to be closer to that new stuff that's being built. Cause I kind of feel like it's a pretty decently sized mountain bike hub. Um, I mean, maybe not as big as like Bentonville or some other places that are really popular, but it has a lot of potential and a lot of different really good riding. So mm -hmm. I would say out of the state, like that's the, that's the spot that we really have our focus on. How do you feel like the mountain bike community is in Pennsylvania? Do you feel like it's, there's a lot of mountain bikers or um, what's it feel like to you guys? What'd you say? 
think there's a lot of mountain bikers for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I definitely say I have it. mountain bikers in my family. Like I, yeah, I didn't even true. think mountain biking was cool, and I was like, oh, my uncle does it, and my my sister's boyfriend does it, and like I was like, ah, it's whatever, it's just biking. And then I got into it, and I realized, wow, there's a lot of mountain bikers, like. Yeah. And your uncle does it. Yeah, my uncle. Yeah, my uncle's like literally like the goat around here. Like he's like king of the mountain on like everything, and he's like sixty, I think, almost sixty or sixty. He's he's so good. (laughs) That's awesome. And then yeah, um, um... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I I actually kind of forgot what I was gonna say to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So where where are you guys going to the skill parks at? Because when I when I was in york last it didn't it seemed like rocky ridge was like basically the the like go-to place and then it seemed like anything else was just going to be like pretty xc so how far were you guys having to go to the the skills parks so the the closest ones are like an hour and some change away um you either have to head east or you have to head south down to maryland uh, there's not many like right in our area, right in York. I mean, there's not really anything at all right in York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you head out towards like Michelle and stuff like that, there's uh, one bike park that's a little bit more BMX focused. Um, but there's really not much um, in our area directly. So we kind of do have to travel, which sucks, which um, I think if we, you know, would move somewhere or if we can eventually get a skills park in our area, that would be just a dream come true because like i said i really love riding jumps and there's just no jumps at all around here so i've you know tried to build stuff in my backyard but it's kind of a residential place can't really have like dirt jumps or anything too expansive back here but um yeah so you gotta travel a little bit if you were coming to visit york there's not going to be anything that's inside of an hour drive really yeah 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 it's always interesting too like how long it takes to go a short amount of distance back there because the the roads are all like super like kind of back road two lane roads to like like i remember looking when i went from my my cousin's house in mechanicsburg to michelle it was like i don't remember like 35 or 40 minute drive but i was like barely like 20 miles or something like that it was yeah this like blew my mind because in my my head when I saw how many miles it was, it's like oh that's like fifteen minutes away, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does seem pretty close. And I mean, we've driven so much now recently, especially when we were really doing the the traveling thing, to where driving an hour doesn't seem like too bad of a thing to be honest. But um, it would be nice to have something a little bit closer. Like if it was like a half hour, that's super doable on like a weekday night and stuff. But mm-hmm. an hour is like you know you kind of got you kind of got to plan your day around it. Maybe make a make a day trip down or something. So, mm-hmm. um, what was I gonna say? Now I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, have you guys considered doing like a Patreon or YouTube memberships or anything like that or? Yeah, so that's that's funny that you asked that because just when you were thinking of what to say next, I was gonna maybe butt in and ask you about that because that's that's one thing that I was thinking um, of asking you actually um, because I see you have Patreon um, patrons and everything, and we have a Patreon set up, but we don't have any patrons, and we also have the um, YouTube membership set up, but we don't have any members on that either, um, and we haven't really put out any kind of extra content or anything like that. So we were 
going to maybe ask you at what point did you start doing that? And was it, would it be a good idea to do that when you have the same amount of subscribers that we have now, or would you wait? So you have a couple more subscribers. To really I, I think that my advice to people is do it whenever you're ready to do it. Like, okay. honestly, I don't think it really matters how many subscribers that you have. I, I would say that I probably was right around a thousand to 1500 subscribers when I first started. Okay. And, um, what I did was like, um, I don't know if you can maybe turn your mic sensitivity down just a little, little bit. It sounds like it keeps catching me talking. I think like, but, um, it's all I, right. I don't have a mic on actually. It's just my phone. Should I turn it down? Oh, uh, don't worry about it then. It'll be fine. Okay. I'll deal with it. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, what I was saying was like, what I would do is I, I would go ahead and take my edit. And then whenever you kind of go through your edit and, before you you start really getting nitty gritty with it, maybe like the first pass of after you go through a ride or something like that, it's like 45 minutes or it's 30 minutes. And at that point, I would just render that just the way it is. And then that would be extra content there. So it would be real easy to do something like that. Um, then it's not really like it's extra work that you're yeah. putting in. But on the other hand, you can also just say it like, like in my Patreon, I have one that's like a buck where it's just like, if you just want to contribute to the channel, just like for a dollar, then like, don't stop people from doing that, you know? Yeah, totally. Because yeah, a dollar may not mean much like by itself, but if you have 50 people doing that or a hundred people doing that, then, then all of a sudden, well, okay, then that's like, well, that's something, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then I, I back then like YouTube didn't have memberships. So I started with Patreon, but now that YouTube has memberships, I think that it's probably good to, to use the, the YouTube memberships just because, um, and you can look at features. I mean, it's totally up to you, but I think with, with the plus side of the YouTube memberships to me is if somebody already put in their, their information to be able to give somebody a, a super chat or something like that, like, the barrier of entry of them deciding to like be a member is really low where like they may not have ever made a Patreon account. So if they click that link, they have to go to Patreon. It's another website. Then they have to set up an account and then they have to like put their card information. There's like a million hurdles that they have to jump over to get to the point to actually like give you the money. And every one of those hurdles is a spot where, where they could be considering like, ah, oh, never mind this is too yeah. much work or it's just like, you know, the shiny ball comes by or they're like kid walks up or anything where like, if it's on YouTube, there's a higher chance that they just push the button and then say yes. And then it's done. So, yeah. um, but I, I think that, um, I think that there, there there's probably like, I, I don't know the YouTube features like perfectly. So, um, there, there's probably something that Patreon offers that the other one doesn't, but a lot of people are familiar with it too now. So because of the bigger YouTubers all having, you know, Patreon for a long time, a lot of people that are, that are willing to do Patreon are, are already on that platform. So yeah, I think that, I think it's like six to one, half a dozen to the other, you know, it's just really what you want to do. But at the end of the day, you have to tell people about it. It's just like telling somebody to subscribe. You know, like it feels stupid to say it, 
but um, it actually works because you'll notice it like in your videos when you yeah. don't say anything compared to the ones that you do. So um, if you don't ask people like, and it feels weird. I mean, at the end of the, like, you don't want to be like, I'm begging for money. You know yeah. what I mean? But it, it's just, um, I think it, it's just as long as you present it well, you know, like, like for me, like I joke that it's like beer money for the beer fridge, you know, or, or yeah. that it's camera gear or because there's so many things that like running a YouTube channel that, um, so many so many costs that you don't think of whenever you're a person that doesn't do youtube you know yeah and um i when i first started i thought all i needed to do was buy a gopro you know and then it was like oh wait i need software to like edit you know or then it was like oh i want this light or oh i want like there's so many things you know what i mean totally well that's, so. that's a good way to think about it um i i wasn't sure if we wanted to to go ahead and do the additional perks straight away because i know that uh you know if we only have like one person that was signing up for it then it's a lot of work just for one patron but obviously you kind of have to do that to get people on so it's like a catch 22 sort of thing yeah. um so yeah we we set both of the accounts up the membership and the patreon and we just kind of have it sitting as if you want to donate that's cool if not, there's not, you know, we don't really have anything set up for yeah. like extra perks or anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely something we need to to readdress, I think in the future and decide if we want to actually put some more energy into it to try to get more return and uh, also promote it, like you said too, because we only yeah. did one video where we really asked people, we were like, hey, like we have this set up, you can, you know, donate money to us to help out our channel and nothing really came of it, which- Yeah, you know, it's it takes expected. time. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely takes time. And I think, you know, it's like polishing how you're presenting it too. Cause the first time you say something like that, it feels very awkward, you yeah. know? So like, and even sometimes I'll, I can't tell you how many times on the trail I've recorded myself, like talking about my Patreon and then I don't put it in the edit. Cause I'm like, that just sounds stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I think the thing that's cool about YouTube is like you can have a level where it just puts like like a different icon next to their name, like when they comment and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that that's like just like a little recognition where it could be like, hey, for like two bucks a month, you can like be part of my crew and, you know, like you get that little bit of recognition. And then whenever you're coming up with some ideas of like, like for me on those longer cuts, like sometimes it's, I know that this like thing won't be in the edit, the final edit, but yeah. it'll be like some joke that I know is like too crude to like be like regular or like, be, like <laughs> True, yeah. with my friends. And it's like things that I think that like it, whenever I first started watching YouTube and I would watch some of my, my favorite creators, like, like to get a little peek inside of like who they are outside of like the final edit is like yeah. really fun to like have that opportunity. So you could just include little things like that. And it's really not much more effort. And like what you were saying earlier is like the more that you do that, like, even if it is like, that's why I try to come up with something that's like not outside of my process already. Yeah. So like where you're going to slim down your, like sometimes if you're doing a scripted video, you don't have like a long cut like that because it doesn't, at least the For way sure. I edit mine, it doesn't work that way. So 
then those just don't have it. But like the more of those that you do, then you'll have a library that will be more in, enticing for people to come in and look at, you know, like how BKXE's like, hey, I got like, I don't know, 400 videos on there that you can watch while you're, you know, running on the treadmill or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of the the little bit more personal, maybe the, uh, the like the extras that you cut out of the main edit, because uh, I do feel like sometimes you kind of have to appeal to a mass audience. So maybe you're a little bit more like vanilla than you would be, you know, in some of those outtakes. So when you kind of have a Patreon like that, those are like the true homies that really know you and really care about you. So you can kind of be a little bit more inside joke with them. And yeah. so I, I never really thought about it that way, but that, that makes a lot of sense, especially from the perspective of trying to get people to become patrons it's um it's like come back and like see this like little more like rough like edgier side of the production and the the videos yeah, so, yeah, definitely yeah when i first started my channel i used to like cuss a lot and like um just like i didn't censor who i was at all yeah and i um i think that some people like really relate with that and then some people are really turned off by that so um but in my patreon edits like i feel like i can leave that stuff in there and then people get to know like who i am and what kind of jokes i make because like those are things that i would say in front of anybody like it's not yeah. like i i am saying things that like i i like I, I would say these things no matter what like if i was in a crowd of like strangers i would still say these things yeah <laughs> but like uh I think, you know, like being able to keep that stuff in the Patreon edit, it's fun. You know, it's fun for like people to, to see kind of like, to kind of get who you are a little bit more, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I feel like the whole um, swearing topic is an interesting one because we started out kind of being a little bit more raw. I mean, I think maybe more so me, I think you kind of always wanted me to like cut out. I mean, I'm going to out Katie here, but she swears sometimes. <laughs> and uh we would like kind of cut that out because we didn't want to seem you know like too crass or anything so we would like cut that out and try to be a little bit more um like kid friendly and stuff um but if you go back to some of our older videos like we definitely dropped a few swears um along the line and it's it's even weird because i was watching a video of ours the other day where i went back and i just felt like i was being so um like I was being such a different person than I am now on camera, which is weird. I was kind of um, being like, it almost felt like I was being really myself kind of in a way um, and not so much of like the actor like self for the camera. Cause I'm definitely different than I am in my YouTube videos when I'm just talking to somebody. I don't have like the YouTuber voice as much. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the whole swing thing. Cause I feel like it adds like a level of realness and it also, you can, like, I don't know, I think of swear words as being able to explain things better sometimes, too. Like, they're yeah. sentence enhancers, as some people say. So, yeah. um, personally, I don't have a problem with swearing, but I do know that, like, really little kids watch our channels, and we get messages from, like, youth coaches and stuff. So, we're like, all right, well, we got to be, like, setting a good example. So, I'll just, I'll just swear, like, and just be my normal self, but then just put, like, a little bleep sound over yeah. it now in the recent edits so that way it's still like people know i'm still a real person but i'm not saying the swear word so 
Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a whole um, it's a whole dance to try to figure out what your audience vibes with and who you are as a person. Because I think sometimes it can help your channel to swear, and sometimes it maybe doesn't help. So it's totally yeah. individual. Yeah, I think it's a catch twenty two. You know, it's really hard yeah. to say. I feel like I've had a bunch of younger kids come up to me over the years and like say that they watched my channel or like sometimes like their parents will come up and be like, Hey, I went, my son was like afraid to come over and say hi. And I want to introduce yeah. you and whatever. And I always say to them, like, do you watch my channel? Cause like, <laughs> I don't know if he should be listening to it. You know? And so like, I think after like a handful of those circumstances, I was like, you know what? I need to like, PC this up a little bit and I um I know like when I get excited or something like that like it's like you're gonna say some stuff and I think sometimes those are are proper to keep there because of that yeah but then um um other times like if I'm around the wrong like not the wrong group of friends but like certain friends of mine when I'm around we're just like sailors right and it's just like oh, yeah. this, and blah 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 and you're just like you don't even realize you're doing it it's just like extra adjectives or something you know yeah. and uh those ones where you go and you look at the edit and you're like oh, all right we're gonna have to use something else here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely sounds different when you're just saying it when you when you hear somebody else like i don't know if you ever just like hear somebody swear out in public as you're just walking by you're just like oh dang like that guy just like said a bad yeah. word in public like it's just like it hits a little bit different when it's like not just like you and the boys or like you and your friends or you know yeah. or whatever um so yeah i definitely get that it's i it's, think when you're talking to somebody too you can kind of read their like their their body language to like know yeah. whether or not like it's appropriate you know yeah. and so um where like some people with you're using a cuss word in a certain certain like circumstance or a joke like it will make it more funny oh, yeah. but but you can tell that by like the type of person that you're talking to you, yeah. you know and, and whenever you're making a video you don't have that opportunity so you don't know actually what your audience is at all so I would say that that was one of those things that Seth always says um, to people is like, don't cuss yeah, <laughs> because it's like a, a bigger audience that you can appeal to. And then yeah. um, you can still be you just um, it's better not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, it's uh, it's fun coming up with like interesting ways to either censor it or replacement words too. like if you can be funny, like we watch uh, this account penguin. Uh, zero all the time he's like a commentator youtuber and he just has like the best vocabulary of just absolutely hilarious words to where he does swear but he doesn't just rely on swearing for the jokes he just i don't know it just like some of the words he comes up with are, are so funny so trying to do more of that when we're editing our scripts and stuff trying to put mm -hmm. little jokes in that are kind of more family friendly but also also funny and we don't want to like just tame our sense of humor to become so like knock knock joke friendly and so stale yeah. so yeah it's hard you know because there's other channels out there that are f-bombs every three seconds and they are yeah. huge channels too yeah. so it's really like it's really interesting to try to figure out how how you want to approach that circumstance like i think for me like originally i was really trying to keep it raw like I, I was like i don't care i'll be like i'll be one of those channels and like everybody else is going to be pc and i'll just say whatever fuck i want right and, yeah. and uh, 
but then I, I just noticed like how many people were making comments like, man, I like to watch your videos at work, but I can't because I don't know whenever you're going to just out of nowhere drop, you know, <laughs> all these explicitives, you know, or whatever. And yeah, like, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Or they'd be like, oh, I like to watch these, you know, on the TV, but my kids are running around. It's like, oh, I kind of get it like that. But yeah, I don't know, man. I think it, it's like, it's really at the end of the day, I think you, like you should do what you're comfortable with and, and not be concerned too much with everybody else's doing. Cause I don't know. I, I can't say that my channel has grown any better or any worse with me changing the way that I communicate, but I don't know. I, I definitely have like a little bit more of an edgy personality though, too. So I think yeah. people that watch my channel tend to, to know that's coming, you know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so. I mean, our freaking uh, YouTube banner is like a cartoon. So we're kind of sending like a family friendly message, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if there's if there's one thing that kids love is a, a good F-bomb. So, you yeah. know, like, I feel like it's a good way to connect with the youth anyway. But maybe <laughs> the parents wouldn't like it. So, yeah. So is there a particular kind of content that you guys want to be creating? Like, do you guys, what kind of stories do you, do you want to tell? Oh, man. So we kind of look to what we're watching on a regular basis and what's interesting to us. So we'll often watch stuff that's outside of the niche of mountain biking, obviously. Um, and one thing that we watch a lot of is commentary stuff. So you might notice we did like a TikTok reaction video, which is really big with reaction and uh, commentary creators like that. And then also like video essays, um, just it's not like a new form of content necessarily, but it's what we find ourselves watching and our favorite YouTubers are making that kind of content. So we kind of take that, I guess, that approach to creating content and are now trying to find out how it can fit into the mountain biking niche. Um, so that's kind of our strategy right now. It's also a little bit tricky to um, figuring out what is going to appeal to a mass audience? Because I know Seth is really good at this. He, he makes videos that appeal to a larger audience that, you know, or say like maybe my dad could watch it. You know, he's just sitting mm -hmm. watching a history channel. He can watch something that maybe he's not directly interested in, but it's still interesting enough that he can watch, you know, about ice road truckers or like a pawn yeah. shop or something like that. So finding a way to, to make it appeal to a bigger audience is definitely the thing we're trying to figure out now. Um, and it's, I, it's thought your reaction, I, I thought your reaction video was really good. I, um, I, it was actually one of the videos that I, I clicked on earlier today when I was kind of looking at some of your stuff. And I thought it was interesting because um, there's not other people doing that. And it really reminded me of a guy that started a channel way back whenever, like kind of like BKXE and single track sampler and kind of all of us guys were all kind of really getting started. There was a guy that did this channel that he would review other mountain bike channels. And, um, and it was really interesting. And so like when I saw that, it reminded me of that and there's not really anybody doing that in, in the, at least I haven't seen anybody else do that in the MTB space. So I was like, oh, that's actually a pretty fun video idea. Like it would be something that I could consider like putting my own twist on, you know, but like, yeah, totally. like what we were talking about earlier, I mean, everybody has 
like there's no unique ideas like like you'll have one but like 100 people can do it the same thing but it'll be their way of doing it so it'll be different yeah. you know and and honestly it kind of helps when that happens because then it creates like um it's kind of like how videos go viral on on shorts or whatever it's like one person does this stupid dance on tiktok and now there's a million people doing it you know or like dumping a bucket of water on their head you know it all starts with somebody imitating somebody else's content you know yeah it's all it's all just trends kind of in one way shape or form and just putting your own little bit of a spin on it like i i always do that with um popular content that i see on tiktok and instagram and stuff i'm just like oh how can i make a mountain bike version of this and I mean, not everything like has the ability to do that. Like certain certain trends are just like maybe this would just seem too um, too like trying to be trendy, but other things actually work really well. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It it really depends. I'd say. What kind, what kind of dog do you guys have? Those of you guys that are listening, they got their their puppy on their lap. It's a cavapoo. A what poo? <laughs> It's a King Cavalier Charles Spaniard mixed with a mini poodle. Interesting. It's yeah, super her name cute. Olive. Yeah. <laughs> she just came to join us finally. Yeah. How long have you had her? Oh, that's four, five months. Yeah, about five months. Does she go out on the trail with you guys, or? Um. Yeah, we have a, like a little canine sports sack backpack. And she just yeah. like slips into that and she goes on little rides with us and stuff. So we did one, <laughs> one mountain bike ride with her. Yeah. And yeah. It, had, <laughs> it had like mixed results with actual mountain biking because if you go a little bit too hard, she doesn't really like that. But she also likes to go fast too. So like going on the rail trail and stuff, as long as it's in a straight line, she does pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Does she run with you guys or is she still too small or? Oh, yeah. Uh, she does. Well, she runs with us like if we go for a run, but not like with us on the bikes or anything. Uh -huh. but that would be cool. Yeah, I feel like she definitely has the potential to do that. We've gone to um, like a few hikes at Michelle, and I don't know if you're familiar with Pole Steeple at Michelle. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like a really big hike there. That I mean, I'm sure some people can't even do the entire hike, you know, if they're not um, avid hikers and she just did the whole thing. No problem as like a brand new puppy. So we were pretty like, we were pretty stoked because she doesn't really look sporty. She looks very, um, you know, just cute. So we were pretty <laughs> happy to find out that she's actually pretty sporty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, I mean, is she only five months old or is, how yeah, old only is five she? months? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you guys got her pretty brand new. Yep. Yeah, we did. Just when she was a puppy, she was she was really small, and I think this is about as big as she's gonna get. So, yeah. So you have any dogs? Yeah, I have a lab. And, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, he's a he's he's a lot of fun, but he has more drive than he than he has um, the ability to keep his paws on. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so if you if I take him out, he will run himself until all the pads fall off of his his paws so i have to really be careful with him because uh he's just he's super driven so and and he likes to be in the front so if i like really try to take off like he'll he'll hurt himself trying yeah. to be faster than me okay. <laughs> yeah so you take him on bike rides too then or yeah like... yeah yeah oh awesome yeah yeah so i mean not a whole lot but but i've definitely like i've trained him how to how to be around bikes and like even whenever i'm 
like I'll run him around the neighborhood. Uh, that's how I really started to teach him on the bike is like oh, cool. having him on the leash and then knowing like teaching him like, Hey, you can't like run into the tire or you can't stop in front, you know, like trying to yeah. keep him on the side of the bike so that he, he recognizes like, Oh, okay. That's like, this is like the space that I need to be in. And um, yeah. dogs are pretty smart though. I mean, like it doesn't take long for them to figure it out. Like, like with him, like I can, yell like left and right on a trail and he'll know which way to go you know it's pretty cool so, i never thought about doing like the leash training in the neighborhood to to get them acclimated with it it makes a lot of sense her dad actually does that with um their dog scout their parents dog scout and he kind of like like pulls it it's almost like an e-bike he yeah. just like <laughs> he's like a little sled dog and yeah. he does good i mean like he he i don't think he's gotten ran over anything like that so <laughs> i never thought about I, that yeah, I always say they'll only get run over once because then they'll be like, oh, oh yeah. that hurt. I'm not going to do that again. So. That's my biggest but, uh, fear because, like, I would I would love to take her with us places because you know how it is with a dog. Like, they have to go to the bathroom every certain amount of time. So, yeah. to go on, like, long mountain bike trips away from home, like, we would want to bring her. And the, the backpack is kind of limited as to how long she can be in there and what trails we do. So, it would be really cool to – to get her to come with us i'm just i'm just so nervous to to run the little guy over <laughs> so yeah sad. yeah i i think the plus side for you guys is you have a lot of water back there that's the downside out here is that um like it gets really hot and then there's nowhere for them to drink but you guys have like streams and creeks and stuff like everywhere oh, yeah. so it's like really easy to like have water all the time where like if i take him out on a hot like in the in the heat like I got to carry enough water for him and me, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So I try to do rides with him that are more like next to a lake or next to a river. And, but then he just wants to go swim around in circles instead of like going. <laughs> that's cool. Well, that's, yeah. that's awesome that your dog like wants to do that with you and stuff. I feel like I, every time I see a dog on Instagram doing that, I'm just like, oh, I got to teach all of how to do that. It'd be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Some breeds are better than others. Like my buddy has a, more like a shepherd dog, like an Australian shepherd. And um, that dog could run forever. Actually, I have a couple friends with those. And like, they're like, they never run out of energy. Where him, like, he's got, it depends on how much I run in. But like, he, he definitely doesn't have the the long-term endurance like those other, like those little, little dogs like that do. So, yeah, I don't know. But every dog has their own thing that they're into, you know, like, maybe, maybe, maybe all is not a troll dog. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's okay just to be a cute dog too. You know? right? yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, my mom watches her every now and then, so we can go on like longer excursions, like for the race and stuff. My mom, she she might actually come to the race too, which would be cool. Um, and bring all of that way we have a, a little support team there. But yeah, she's been really cool with that. So that's that's awesome because my parents don't like have a dog or anything, so they get a little little uh, puppy time. Yeah. <laughs> So are you guys both doing the race? Yeah, we are actually. Yeah, so you want to tell them? What? <laughs> well, it's their first what? race yeah. ever, so. <laughs> are you nervous, Katie? Uh, I just don't want to get hurt. That's all I'm worried about is like falling. Because I hope I don't fall. <laughs> I like How I'm... long is the race? Like what? what's the like length of the course or do you guys know? 
Oh, you don't know? Yeah. Oh. Well, honestly, it's it's a really good first race because it's more of like a cross-country-ish enduro. Like it's still set up like an enduro where there's stages and you aren't timed for the in-between stages. But it's it's not anything like super chunky rocks. There's no features that are, you know, non-negotiable. There's mm-hmm. um and there's only four stages too, and each stage is between I think like one or two miles. So it's super manageable. Um mm-hmm. So it's only my second race, actually. And the first race I did was um, pretty intense. And after that, I was like, I don't know if racing is for me. It seems, you know, pretty, pretty serious. And uh, I kind of got myself a little in over my head. But with this race, I feel like for your first race and for my second race, this should be like pretty, pretty easy, I think. I mean, I won't want to say easy because yeah. then you're going into it assuming, but um, I think we should be okay. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that we'll both be um, at least, at least able to finish the course no problem, and you know, not be in any kind of sketchy situations because we we haven't been like training or anything for this. We just kind of found out like two weeks ago that we were going to be doing yeah. this. So, um, so yeah, there's not been much in the way of preparation, but I think we should be good. I don't think many people train for a race except for the people that are actually trying to win. But most people just yeah. want to go out and like kind of see how they do and have that that experience, you know. But um yeah, yeah. I've never raced. I it's just not like it's not appealing to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, honestly, like it's not very appealing to me either. Like I did it the one time and I was just like no, I don't know if this is really for me. I'm kind of more of like a feature-focused rider where I like to stop and session stuff and um, kind of treat it more like, uh, even though the trails are not anything like a skate park, um, kind of treat things like, almost like the street, I guess, almost you could. Like you're sessioning like a, a handrail or a set of stairs mm-hmm. or something like that, and you're kind of stopping with the homies. And then that's also why I like skills parks so much. So I never really thought of myself as a racer Um, but doing something like this will be cool just because I do have like a competitive side with riding fast sometimes as well. So it'd be cool to do this in an environment where it's definitely like our type of riding fast and flowy and stuff. Um, and just seeing kind of how I do compared to other, other people in my category. So, um, I was pretty humbled in the last race. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's always somebody out there way faster. I think for me, I just like. I don't like the idea to pay to ride bikes. That's one of it. And then the other thing is like, I know I'm not going to win. So the competitive side of me is like, well, that's not fun. So realistically, I just want to be faster than my friends. So it's like every race that we're on or every ride that we're on is almost like a race for me where it's like, I'm being humbled pretty regularly because all my friends are faster than me, but It's good. To I think it'd be fun to have all your friends do a race together and just kind of see like what the scores are and stuff. I think I always thought that'd be interesting. So I'll just see if my buddies wants to do it. My buddy wants to do it next year and see uh yeah. see how he does because he he has an enduro bike, but this is definitely more of a cross country. So I feel like he might be at a slight disadvantage with his with his big burly bike. <laughs> what do you think the story is going to be? Oh, sorry, sorry. What was that? What do you What do you think the story is going to be? The story. Oh, yeah. for the video. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's definitely what I've been thinking about recently. I, I don't think we want to just do like 
just a race analysis. Hi, all. Um, I don't think we want to do just like a race analysis. I've seen a lot of those videos, and that's kind of what I did for my last race, was just kind of like showing each stage. Um, I want to focus a little bit more on the event side of things. And since it's like a Halloween kind of themed thing, it's um, it's got like, you know, uh, some people wear like costumes and stuff like that. Focus a little bit more on like the camaraderie and uh, showcase a little bit more of like what it's like to be at the event. Because I feel like above just the race, it's going to be a really fun time just hanging out. And, um, and Trexler is just a beautiful place. So trying to get kind of more of like the vibes of the event in the yeah. video. Um, but yeah, definitely um, having a story is like a super important part of it. So I got to kind of think of how how to focus that too, and maybe something on Katie's first race and how it's my second race, and um, maybe a story. I would film. I would film you guys talking to the camera, like like interview each other ahead of time. Yeah. Like how you feel about like like what you're like. Are you anxious? Like what are you excited about? What do you think is going to be hard? What do you think is going to be easy? And then you can like use that as part of your story while you're doing things to like then show later how you felt about it after the fact and like whether or not it like was actual. Because I think there's probably a lot of people that go on a race that like would have similar feelings so they can relate. And then yeah. like I feel like that that video will be a good way to like make content that like really that people can really relate with. Yeah, you know, instead of just like what you were saying, like if you just go show the stages, like that story is like it'll be interesting to people that want to do that race. But yeah. but if you tell the story like the emotional story, then it'll be interesting to people that don't even live in Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I I feel like um, especially being a couple doing it, we kind of can get like. Um, guys and girls that are interested in maybe starting their race too because I mean like obviously like we both draw inspiration from like male and female riders but I feel like having somebody like Katie um, to like watch a video about and see how she feels could be like relatable to maybe like women mountain bikers as well and um, for like more beginner riders just for for both of us like we're both kind of um, doing all this stuff for the first time and figuring it out so I feel like that's kind of um another like good angle to focus on with it as well yeah 100 percent. even with your channel in general i mean because you're learning um it's a very good time to like to recognize that to like to show other people like what you're learning because like for me i've been riding for so long there's so much that i like just take for granted that i don't even think about it's, it, it i I have to be going out with somebody that's brand new to like even think about oh wow it's confusing for them to think about shifting and breaking and dropping the lever and like which way they're leaning their body all at the same time because i'm like you just ride the bike dude you know yeah. <laughs> like, like but it, you know it, it'll it'll take me to be there and watching somebody else where i'm like oh wow you know i'm looking at this hill right here and this is not steep to me but like all these other people are walking down that you know yeah. and to me it's like oh yeah that's right i do remember like the very first time I rode this trail, like 15 years ago, I was freaked out, you know, <laughs> but now I'm just like, come follow me, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's definitely important, I feel like, to think back like a year or, or maybe even a few years sometimes, because 
I know. I always get excited about what's the next thing. What's the next thing I'm going to learn, uh, either about fixing bikes or what's the next skill I'm going to learn. But if you just kind of, you know, think back to your past, um, you kind of have a better understanding of the things that you've already learned. So you can kind of express that to your uh, subscribers a little bit easier, too. It's more of like a cemented idea, um, although it might not be as exciting and like a learning experience for you often since it's so close and since we're you know more beginners uh, we can relate to what it's like to truly be a beginner mountain biker so focusing on content like that i feel like is really really kind of good for us and i have to i have to kind of think in those terms terms sometimes um yeah. and not get too ahead of myself yeah right on man well we're just about at two hours here and um as usual the time by went by pretty quickly it's super fun chatting with right. you guys yeah, i always like to ask people well, uh, what what YouTube channels you like to watch, regardless of if it's mountain biking content or not, because it's always fun to, to kind of hear. You want to go first? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Ballin. Oh, yeah. She likes spooky stuff. What is it called? Mr. Ballin. I'm sorry. One more time. So it's Mr. Like um, MR and then Ballin. B-A-L-L-E-N. Okay, what's he do? It's kind of a funny name, but he like tells spooky like ghost stories and like UFO stories and like um, it's it's not like just ghosts and UFO stories. It's like the most believable ones in a way, which right. makes it and true crime and stuff like that. He calls it strange, dark, and mysterious. Is mm -hmm. like the the types of videos. So yeah, if you haven't seen that, if you're into spooky stuff, especially since it's October and Halloween yeah. coming up. Definitely, definitely a good channel to watch. And uh, Sam and Colby too. You like, yeah. you like those guys. All the ghosty things. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> spooky girl. She likes that kind of stuff. paranormal stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I like um, I like a lot of commentator YouTubers. Like I like watching people watch stuff, which is I don't know. Maybe that's just my generation. It's like a weird thing that we all do. Is just like maybe it's because we don't have any friends, but. Um, <laughs> Um, I like uh, Cody Co is a big channel I watch all the time. Um, I watch like uh, Danny Gonzalez, um, and then for mountain biking channels, I like Fifty to One a lot. Uh, they mm -hmm. kind of put like a BMX street style spin on like riding trail bikes, which is really cool. Um, and then just like all like the main YouTube channels, like I watch you know like Seth and like Evans MTB Saga and the channels that are a little bit more like our channel just to kind of see what everybody's doing. And, um, also because I love mountain bikes as well. So, um, right. yeah, that's kind of what we find ourselves watching most of the time. Right on. Do you guys watch YouTube more than you watch TV or do you watch like kind of equally or not like YouTube's like huge for us? Yeah, it's pretty much all we watch. I mean, we'll watch Netflix every now and then we'll, throw on a movie and I'll fall asleep and Katie will stay up till two in the morning. Cause I can't, <laughs> I can't, I have to finish. Once I start a movie, I have to finish it. It's like a thing. Yeah. You'll never finish it. <laughs> so, every now and then, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm big on the movies. I'm with you, Katie. Um, yeah, no, that's rad. It's interesting. I know a lot of people in your generation are definitely more on social media kind of content than than regular television content and yeah. um i think for me like i definitely watch a lot of youtube but i that's because i'm a creator you know i didn't yeah. do that before i was a creator so um i don't think it's normal with you know a lot of people that are my age like 
Like for instance, like if if I leave the house, my wife is gonna watch like Netflix or Hulu or something. She's gonna watch all the spooky stuff and the crime dramas, right? And yeah. then like, but like when she's gone, I'm like watching like, yeah, I'm gonna watch a Sid and Mackie video that's 30 minutes long, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, or whatever else I find on there that's interesting, you know? So um, yeah, yeah, super, super, it's, it's interesting to hear either way. Hey, I really appreciate having you guys on the uh, on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Those of you guys that haven't heard of Nick and, and Katie MTB, go swing by their YouTube channel. You can also check the link down and show more. Like I said before in the podcast uh, show notes, it's down there as well. And um, if you go over to their YouTube channel, they also have links in there to get to their TikTok or their Instagram. You can kind of take a look there. But it sounds like their main focus is YouTube for now. So definitely go over, give them a subscribe because that's always nice to see those numbers grow. And um, those of you that are on Instagram and haven't given me a follow already, please do that. I really appreciate it. Like I said about them, it, it, it feels good to see those. So it's like a little reassurance. But if you want to do something for free and... Um, you can <laughs> just remember, you know, it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.